Welcome to BIV Today, the daily business podcast from the Business in Vancouver newspaper and from BIV.com. I'm Haley Woodett. Today on the show, I take a look at global wealth patterns. There's a new report from Boston Consulting Group that looks at what's changing and where Canada's positioned in this global landscape. Here at BIV, we're accepting nominations for a number of awards programs. These include our BC CEO Awards, Influential Women in Business, and 40 Under 40. You can also nominate Chief Technology and Innovation Officers for our inaugural BC CTO Awards. Applications are now open. You can visit BIV.com slash events for details. Boston Consulting Group recently released Global Wealth 2019 Reigniting Radical Growth. It shows a steady rise in global wealth stopped sharply in 2018, but it's poised for some growth through to 2023. There are, however, some interesting shifts taking place that are worth noting. Anna Zakshevsky joins me now on the line from Zurich. She's BCG's global leader in wealth management. She's also a partner and managing director with the firm. Anna, good to have you on the show. Thanks for so much for coming on. Well, thank you very much for giving us the opportunity to chat about the latest findings on the Wealth Management Report. I'd like to start with what happened last year because the report outlines that 2018 was a bit of a turning point. What happened last year in the wealth space? I mean, 2018 was really a year of challenges for wealth managers. Wealth growth fell by five percentage points. I mean, it's been the slowest growth we've seen in the last, you know, nearly decade. Uh, we've also seen the worst performance um, in equity markets uh, also in the last decade. And in addition, the wealth managers have been quite challenged on their growth and on their top line development in terms of revenues. So um, overall, it's been one of the slowest growth years we've, we've ever seen. And even if you take into account, you know, the um, currency effects, it's even negative growth that we've seen in the last 12 months. Wow. And how does that set us up for 2019 and in the years ahead? I mean, what we see in 2019, it has it has stabilized and it has calmed down as well. Um, and what we have done, however, because you never know if it's going to be, you know, the next five years totally thrilling or the next five years speaking similarly hit like 18 or 2008. So we have actually looked at three different scenarios um, very specifically. And one of the scenarios, which we call pessimistic, assumes a very similar and slow growth rate um, going forward, like we've seen in 2018 of about 1.5, 1.6%. And if we take a normal baseline scenario, assuming it's going to be like before 2018, um, it is going to be an expected growth rate of, of about you know, four to five percent. Mm. There are a number of things that have happened in the last few years. Some of them can be categorized maybe as political and short term, but certainly very disruptive. Others maybe are categorized as longer term. They're demographic shifts or the way we're moving around the world or globalization. When you look at some of the factors behind the wealth trends you're seeing, do you consider them more permanent shifts? Are they more unique one-time scenarios? How do you kind of categorize what you're seeing? I think what, what we are seeing, and I think this is wealth management in general. I mean, from a bank's perspective and from a wealth manager's perspective, it is a long-term business, relatively low capital. From a client perspective, 
this is definitely also something more for the long term in terms of wealth development, in terms of next generation. You do have some short-term effects um, that typically hit the ones that have, let's call it, the more the more aggressive, the more volatile portfolios, which tend to be more the wealthier, the wealthier clients or the wealthier bands, wealth bands globally. Um, and also some of the markets are also a lot more prone to these big volatile impacts that we see in the equity trends, in the market trends, like, for example, the, the US, where the share of um, of, of equity investments is like one of the highest globally. So, so I think, you know, wealth in general is a, is a long-term business. It's a long-term industry. The trends hit once or twice, um, but overall it's, it's a relatively, um, yeah, it's not a short-term oriented industry and it's not a short-term oriented thinking. However, there are a few things that are completely changing and, and transforming. And, and what you really see is that it's, far less, you know, product, product led, but it's in general becoming a lot more client led. So it's, it's an, it's an industry and it's a space where it's all about delivering value for the client. It's all about thinking and understanding what the client wants, but going even beyond that, understanding why and what the pain points are. And only the ones, you know, in the market that will be able to understand that and deliver on that will be in there for the long term. And you will really see a split between, you know, what's the what's the chaff and what's the wheat, right? Mm-hmm. Overall, how quick has the industry been to respond to that shift from products to really client-driven customer service? I think there is still a big disconnect. I would say very few players <coughs> at the moment um, are are in that space where they are thinking. And they are able to understand the why of client behaviors. They're really able to to understand the patterns. They are really investing into the in-depth delivery of client experience. But in general, I would say this the space and this industry is still very much in the beginning thinking about I have less wealthy clients, I have wealthy clients, and I have very wealthy clients. But the world has changed, and, and it's really about understanding the individual and going even as far as completely personalizing all of your services while being super, super scalable. Interesting. You mentioned a couple of moments ago wealth bands, and one thing I found interesting in the report was that most of the world's millionaires live in North America, but the fastest growth in personal financial wealth is actually occurring elsewhere. Where are some of the areas that are seeing most of that growth? Okay. Yeah. So, so what is really interesting? I mean, North America does remain the largest, uh, the largest wealth market globally in itself. Um, it has been in the past and it has also been and it is today. The big shift that we actually do see is if you look five years from now, actually Asia is going to overtake Western Europe, which is currently the second largest region. And the growth rate is nearly double the one of North America and the one of Western Europe. So we're actually expecting in terms of, in terms of total wealth, North America to have in five years from now, 118 trillion. However, Asia with 58 already having 5 trillion more than Western Europe. Wow. So what does that then mean for North America and the wealth management industry here? Well, what it basically means is where do you focus? How do you do capture the growth very specifically? And who is actually ready to capture it? 
because what we see is that a lot of the wealth managers and, and also quite a few North American uh, wealth managers, you know, they, they tap into the wealth growth in Asia, but it's not one size fits all and it's not one market, you know, in itself, because winning in China does not mean that you're going to win in Hong Kong in the cross-border space or you're going to win in Singapore, which is more, you know, around Southeast Asia and does attract different wealth flows than, for example, Hong Kong. So, so I think it's really a very, very distinct play that you're going to have. However, it needs to be said that, you know, China in itself, it is the largest market and it is also the largest growth driver in Asia in itself. Hmm. So where does a country like Canada fit into all of this? So <laughs> Canada, maybe a few, a few notions on, on Canada very specifically. Um, Canada is, um, is a relatively stable market. Uh, we have seen very strong historic growth rates in, in financial wealth. Um, it increased over the last five years, roughly by, by 5% per year, which is actually higher in terms of growth rate than the U.S. at the same point in time, uh, where the U.S. was something like 4, 4. 4.3, 4.3 um, growth rate. So I think that's, that's one of the notion where that puts Canada on the map. Um, yes, it has been the worst year, um, 2018, similarly to what we have discussed before. And actually, Canada was especially impacted because it was one of the very few markets um, globally where it had a very harsh decline of negative 1.3% growth, actually negative growth in, in the last 12 months um, overall. So it does recover now in terms of the growth rate of the wealth. But I would say also 18 has been, has been a year of, of very, very slow <laughs> development and even so actually negative development compared to the U.S., which was, uh, which was slightly positive. Hmm. Going back to that point about changes and shifts in cross-border wealth patterns, if we're seeing this shift away from West toward the East, could that mean that a country like Canada – gets less investment, it's less attractive as a place to park capital, it maybe misses out on something? I don't think that is <laughs> that is a message I would subscribe to. I think it's a very, very different game. In in Canada, what we for example see a lot more is also investments in the onshore space, the Canadian banks investing into also digital acceleration and also the affluent space is a very attractive one. So actually the developments in that space specifically and also the upper affluent also undertaken by the wealth managers and by the banks are definitely are definitely flowing. So I wouldn't say um, Canada is missing out at all, and also the Canadian wealth managers are missing out. Um, it's a very different it's a very different game, and I think the cross border discussion it's a very different business than actually the core business of of in Canada itself and the core of the wealth in Canada itself, which is primarily an onshore play. Mm. We managed to make, barely, but we do make the top five markets that are expected to see an increase in millionaires from 2018 to 2023. There's a very small increase we're going to see in Canada, say, relative to what the United States is going to see. But why do you think we're on that top five? What is it about Canada that puts us in that position? I mean, there are, there are a couple of elements. So I would first of all say, if you look at, if you look at Canada, um, sixty percent of the total financial wealth is in the segment below one million. 
Um, and in the US, it's actually only 33. Um, so, so I think that's, that's one of the points where you can also say to the point before the affluent segment is, is really, is really playing out well. And you also then see out like an uplift, you know, quite a few of the upper affluence also then move into the millionaire segment. I think that's one. Then when looking at the share of wealth held by the 100 million plus segment, which is, you know, the, the ultra high net worth, Canada has a significantly higher concentration of those segments, um, eight, actually 10, sorry, 10 to 11 percent compared to the US where it's, it's only seven to eight. Um, so I think, you know, that is that is kind of kind of the mix and the distribution, whereas, for example, the US compared to Canada has a lot more in the segment one to a hundred, a hundred million in terms of like millionaires. I mean, Canada is home to 400,000 millionaires in 2018. Um, and um, it's, it's quite a large number in the US. We have one point four million, but it's a significantly larger market. Um, and roughly 60 of those would be already defined as ultra high net worth individuals holding, you know, 100 million plus. And, and in terms of the growth rates, in terms of the expectation, um, you know, on the asset allocation and investments, we expect the number of millionaires in Canada to increase to over 500,000. And 80 of those would be classified as ultra high networks holding more than 100 million investable assets. Interesting. Looking at classes, I, I want to focus on the middle class for a moment. In some countries like China, we're seeing and we often talk about this massive growing middle class. And in Western democracies, we're often talking about the potential disappearance of the middle class. What trends are you seeing in this middle market for average people when it comes to wealth? I mean, first of all, I, I would never say there are average people mm. <laughs> in that space. And specifically in the Western European world, we see quite a, quite a focus and also quite an increase in the affluent space. And what is interesting, a few years ago when, when you mentioned affluent, um, everybody was like, oh, yeah, you know, they are the few, the few wealthy, you know, have like 100,000 to half a million. The interesting notion that we now see in general, the definition and also the growth of this affluent opportunity is quite, quite tremendous. I mean, we're talking globally in that space um, of 76 million individuals, and we're expecting 4 million new affluent individuals per year in that specific space. Um, in North America, this specific segment, we're actually expecting it to grow by, by 7%. So it's 7% growth rate um, in, in, that, um, in, that, in that space. So it's a lot of individuals. There is a very intensive battle for market share in that space. And everybody wants to tap into the pool. So you actually have you know, wealth managers and private banks that have quite a few of these clients and they are either over-serving them or, you know, basically they, they need to find a model to serve them better at a lower cost. Asset managers, brokers, robo-advisors go after, you know, the so-called middle class as such. And, and in addition now, the latest trend is that a lot of insurance companies in terms of, you know, thinking life and pensions and advisory, et cetera, and they have the access to that, to that segment in itself, 
are actually investing to be able to to play the game in wealth management as well. So um, so we actually see that it's a highly competed um, segment, but uh, it still remains really poorly served because you know very little differentiation on value proposition and product offering, insufficient um, you know market stock specific research delivered relatively easily and, and intuitively at a low cost. Um, you know, very often it's an application of like mass market coverage or less experienced advisors, which for that segment doesn't work anymore, especially with the sophistication growing and the new generation falling into that space as well. And and also some of the online offerings in terms of personal interactions are actually not at par and mismatched service is not something you would you would want from a service level in that space. So I think that we will see quite a quite a big change in terms of service models. And uh, there will be like a like a fight, I would say, for the uh, not well served middle class that is going to be significantly growing in the next few years. Would you say technology is going to be a game changer in that fight? I would say technology is going to be the game changer on a couple of dimensions. First of all, if you have not already started to invest in technology in, in you know, the affluent space or even in the high net worth space, it will be really hard to catch up. And we already see that the top performing wealth managers, they already today invest twice as much as the average in, in digital in itself. And it's not a time to be average. <laughs> <laughs> and and clients don't want average. So I think that's that's the first one. The second part is if you really want to deliver well in the affluent space, in the in the middle class, you need to be able to have a very scalable model that delivers, you know, personalized, truly personalized advice to these clients. And the only way to do that is investments in analytics, it's investments in digital delivery. But it's also investments, which is my third point, in truly understanding your client, in truly understanding how they tick and why they behave in a certain way and what's going to be the right product at the right time for their specific pain point. Because only then you will be able to really, truly deliver the right client experience in that segment, but also in some of the others like the high net worth space. Anna, it's such a pleasure having you on the show. Thanks for taking the time to come on with your insight. Well, thank you very much. And uh, it was a pleasure to discuss our latest findings with you. That's Anna Zakshevsky. She is the global leader in wealth management with the Boston Consulting Group. That's it for our show. Thanks for listening to BIV today. You can get notified of new episodes by subscribing to us on iTunes or on Stitcher. You can also listen to all of our episodes over at BIV.com slash audio. More business news is available at BIV.com. I'm Haley Wooden. Thanks again for listening. <laughs>